What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 39 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman at Core. Week two in the books. I mean, I de- definitely think it cleared up some things that we saw in week one, but uh, some other things that continued from week one into week two, and I guess we'll discuss that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a pretty pretty eventful week two. I wouldn't say top week one, but yeah, another good week of football. Um yeah, it's good to it's good to be back fully in the NFL mode. So yeah, I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you say a good week of football. It started on a brutal note for me as a Giants fan. I mean, on Thursday night football, they lose thirty to twenty nine on I mean, you you talk about a sloppy game. I mean the Giants if you ask me, definitely deserve to win that game. A couple mistakes in that game, Darius Slayton dropping that touchdown pass, the holding call on the Daniel Jones long run that gets called back a little bit. I mean, if you ask me, that's not holding. The guy turns into um, the defender, into CJ Board, who's blocking him. Like, I mean, that's awful if you ask me. And then Dexter Lawrence, the fact that you could see that in real time after James Bradbury just got the interception to get the ball back. I mean, you really can't make it up and stuff like that. They missed the field goal. I'm celebrating and everything just for my heart to get ripped out because there's a flag. And of course, Dustin Hopkins drills the next one. Don't give a kicker like that uh, two chances. But again, I think that last play kind of overshadowed the Giants where Daniel Jones was absolutely flawless, probably plays his best game as a pro. But again, the Giants just self-inflicted wounds. It wasn't the quarterback this time. It was honestly everybody but the quarterback. And uh, that's just not that's just not winning football. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really good game. Definitely think the Giants should have won this game. A lot of um, little things that are going to haunt them. Uh, first, obviously, like you said that, that holding penalty by C.J. Board, his name? Yeah, C.J. Mm-hmm. Board. Yeah, probably not a great call. That's um, the touchdown taken away. Obviously, Darius Slayton kind of walked into the end zone. I mean, I'm not putting that all on Slayton. I mean, it was honestly a little bit tougher. It's catch. all on Slayton. It's all on Slayton. No, no, no. You're in the that, NFL. You have to make that catch. No, definitely. But, I mean, I just think there was no one even near Slayton. Even if he underthrows him, he's still walking into the end zone. But, obviously, fair, Slayton fair, still has to catch fair. that. Yeah. And then obviously Dexter Lawrence jumps off sides. I mean, yeah, that's a dagger. I mean, you knew. I know you're a fan. Did did you have like, did you have any belief that that Hopkins was gonna miss that uh that second chance, or, or you knew that was cash? No, it looked like it was off. Like I thought, I don't know. I thought maybe he'd miss it again. I thought maybe it was destiny to win that game. And it really, the kick really did look like it was off again, wide right. Yeah. Kind of gave it had a little back action at the end, you know what I mean? Right Man. footed kicker. You would you would know better than me. So uh it, it's painful. I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of expand on that this game a little um a little later in the week. We actually got something new coming. I, I don't even know if Corey you're aware of that stuff, but you know what I mean? It's a it's a little upsetting for the Giants, like I said, but again, with my team, you get um a lot of emotions out of me and stuff like that. So uh yeah, it, it was it was painful. Ripped ripped my heart right out. But core, on the other hand, your team, I guess, were being full homers early on in the episode. I mean, they, they didn't even keep it close. Zach Wilson threw three interceptions all of last year at BYU, four in his debut against Bill Belichick. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, again, wasn't even close. The Patriots walk into uh, MetLife and uh, handle the rookie quarterback and the Jets pretty handedly. Yeah, you know what? I, I picked the Jets on this podcast last week. But like I was watch, I was about to watch this game with uh, one of my roommates, and he he's a Pats fan, and he and he reminded me 
about Bill Belichick against the rookie quarterback, and I completely forgot that this man just haunts rookie quarterbacks. I don't know how. And I knew from that moment the Jets were not winning this football game. Zach Wilson throws two interceptions on his first two passing attempts. Like, like I, I just that's just unbelievable. And then four for the game. The Jets were honestly like right in this game. Like they were getting some solid stops. Like their defense, I thought in the first half looked pretty good. They were they were um, kind of getting to the quarterback, making some plays. But I mean, when your quarterback throws four interceptions, you just cannot win the game. It was just a tough, tough game all around. And I mean, yeah, I guess for New York right now, just it's tough. It's been a little tough over the last few years, and already off to an zero and four combined. Combined start, and uh, I don't know. I think the Giants got more upside, but yeah, it's, it's looking kind of tough right now for the Jets and Giants. I would agree. I would say the Giants are more upside. I also don't think it takes Albert Einstein to say that. Cool, I'm sorry to take a shot at your Jets here, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see a lot of upside in the Jets season this year. But do be fair, yeah, you're right. The defense did play pretty well until Damian Harris decided to go crazy on that run. That was an awesome touchdown yeah. run from uh, that. You know what I mean? But again, your quarterback throws that many interceptions, kind of quit. I'm a little upset with Zach Wilson on like how bad some of the interceptions looked. I know like one of the, like a couple of them, it's just like, like what, like just head scratching. I know one of them, like one, the throw, the throw is just too high and stuff like that. But I don't know. Like I said, I think they got the Broncos this week. So you hope that for the Jets, I've been saying all this time, it's just constantly, can we take a step forward? And unfortunately, Zach Bulls will look good in week one. If you ask me to kind of a pretty solid step back week two, but um, hopefully he can get back on the right track this week. Uh, let's talk about some other teams core that maybe after week one, we were like, oh, did we misevaluate them? And then we watched them in week two and we were like, oh yeah, we didn't get this team wrong. I guess we'll start with the New Orleans Saints and our guy, Jameis Winston. I mean, they looked horrible against the Carolina Panthers. I don't want to take anything away from the Carolina Panthers, but I mean, Jameis Winston and companies, I think they had a hundred and 30 offensive yards or something like that. It was disgusting. This Panthers yeah. defense kind of legit, maybe vastly underrated, at least from my standards. You know what I mean? I don't think they got enough love at all, but Matt rule has got the boys going. Sam Darnold looks great in his new environment. And uh, yeah, I'm curious. What do you think this says more about like the saints, maybe just not being a true contender or maybe even the Panthers kind of sneaking into a wild card spot. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to say like what most people say, I think it's definitely a little bit of both, but I'll give more of um, I'll lean more to the side of the Carolina Panthers. Like, the New Orleans Saints looked really bad in this game. Six first downs the whole entire game. But, I mean, I'll give some credit. You got to give some credit to the um, Carolina defense, who through the first two weeks has looked like a very improved defense um, all across the board. So, I mean, and then Sam Donald, I mean, he's looking really good so far in his uh, first two starts as a Carolina Panther. Maybe just needed a new change. Of an environment, obviously, you got Christian McCaffrey, a top back in the league. I think this Carolina team, I know you said it before the year, I, I, I'm i starting to hop on and uh, get some energy uh, towards them. I think maybe they could make some noise in the NFC. Obviously, week three, not probably not going to look ahead of things, but they're, they're, they're going to be playing the Houston Texans most likely. No, nah, it's basically without Tyrod Taylor, who's been actually playing pretty good through the first two weeks, chance to get off to um, – a 3-0 start, but I'm going to talk about the Saints now. I mean, Jameis Winston literally goes from five touchdowns, everyone being like, it's famous Jameis, he's back, <laughs> and then just goes out and lays an absolute egg, 111 yards and two picks. Just like, 
I don't get how you could how it could change that quick. I mean, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he just felt like he was on top of the world. But I mean, that just shows in the NFL, like every Sunday, like anything could happen. And I mean, Alvin Kamara, I mean, had him in fantasy, eight carries for five yards. I mean, it was just a tough day all across the board for uh, New Orleans. And yeah, Carolina flat out dominated and they looked to be an improved team. Yeah, for sure. You, the Saints definitely got humbled this week after blowing out the Packers. One thing I did see, though, the Saints were without a bunch of their coaches. So they couldn't, like, because of COVID protocol. So maybe that is something that they, I think it was like six assistants or something like that. I'm not 100% sure if it was their, like, I mean, Sean Payton, I'm pretty sure, is their play caller. Um, So, I mean, you're without, you're still with him. But again, that that is something that maybe, you, you know what I mean, over the week in practice, some guys, like, some fine details go unnoticed now because you don't have all those coaches watching you in practice and stuff like that. But, you did mention the Carolina Panthers on their end. They traveled to Houston to play the Houston Texans this week. We'll talk about the Texans this past week who had a surprise win, I guess some people would say, over the Jaguars. But then week two, they lose to the Browns. They kept it relatively close, more closer than I uh, thought it would be. But you're right. They do lose Tyrod Taylor, which is kind of a big loss. Uh, obviously, Brandon Cooks, too, was having a nice little connection with him. But it looks like it's going to be Davis Mills, a quarterback from Stanford, former third-round pick uh, this, over this past draft, and actually a former – top high school recruit he was i believe in 2017 i want to say he was the top high school recruit that year so i mean the talent was there with mills uh just a lot of injuries at stanford so i'm curious to see what he can do i really don't think he's like i don't want to say like he's necessarily ready yet i thought he was a guy who more would be like best to sit a year and stuff like that but kind of thrusted into action right here i'm curious if he can uh squeeze off a win again like i said against this tough carolina defense not an easy uh, defense to walk into your first start, especially with how they're playing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Tyrod Taylor for the first two weeks was looking really good, but I mean, injuries happen. He's had a lot of, I'd say, kind of unlucky breaks as a pro. But I mean, it's kind of unfortunate. I thought he was doing really good, like I said. But yeah, Davis Mills was a third round pick out of mm-hmm. uh, Stanford. Yeah, I mean, he gets a chance to uh, show what he's all about. So. Obviously, in a in a quarterback class where he really was not, I mean, like he was, his name was kind of known, but obviously was not a top a top name, big time player in this class. So, I mean, week three, um, Taylor expected to miss at least a few weeks, I think. So, I mean, I mean, I think he Davis Mills in this situation should just go out, play extremely free. I mean, Houston Texans probably have. Like, the lowest expectations in all of the National Football League. So he's not a top name. So I think he just goes out there and just plays free. Not much pressure on him. He just goes and does what he do and just balls out. I think um, he's in a perfect position right now. Yeah, I mean, you do say that. I mean, he's got a chance right now to showcase the Texans that, hey, maybe he can be the franchise quarterback. Because in all likelihood, it looks like the Deshaun Watson era in Houston is done. I know people keep talking, oh, it's so surprising that they, oh, they're they going to activate him. Obviously, they're not going to activate him now. You know what I mean? I think Deshaun Watson's done his time in Houston. They're just waiting till the offseason so that his value kind of um, gets fit. Like, you know what I mean? Resurfaces and stuff like that. And when all his legal trouble off the field is figured out. So, yeah, Mills is in a prime position. Like you said, really nothing to lose for Davis Mills here. The Texans have uh, rock bottom expectations. So, you know what, Mills? Go out, go play some football. And like I said, Tons of talent there for this guy. Uh, let's move it out to the West Coast core because the West continues to have um, a lot of success in both the NFC and the AFC. I guess we'll start with the 49ers who actually took a trip to the East Coast. Funny that now I'm going all over the map. 
Uh, they played the Philadelphia Eagles this week, 17-11. They were victorious, and they did lose Elijah Mitchell at one point in this game. He won, he did re-enter, but Jamichael Hasty's out. Trey Sermon's got a concussion, so they're very banged up at running back with Raheem Mozart already out. Uh, one thing that surprised me in this game, uh, the Eagles, like as a team, honestly, are really surprising me, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think maybe like their offense got a little too much love after beating Atlanta. You know what I mean? Atlanta, even after this week against uh, Tampa Bay, they just looked awful. I think Atlanta's got a real shot to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. But the Eagles, like front seven, is very, very good, very underrated too. I think they did just lose Brandon Graham on it. But again, the 49ers run game is something that should pick people apart all day. And they weren't really able to run the ball as well. So I don't want to, like, I'm not calling this a moral victory for the Eagles, but for a team that people thought was going to get, like, looked over really in the NFC East, that it was, like, kind of the Cowboys, the Giants, and Washington, then the Eagles were definitely a step below. I don't know. The Eagles are definitely proving to me something. Like I said, like, their offense was, if you ask me more, what I expect, I don't think they're going to score 11 points again. You know what I mean? Their offense isn't that bad. They got some talent on there. But uh, they definitely surprised me. And, Jimmy Garoppolo moves to two and zero as a starter, and the Trey Lance watch. He did not step on the field at all, so uh, he's doing a good job cooling those doubters and uh, remaining the San Francisco quarterback. Yeah, I'll start with the Eagles. I think yeah, I said uh, I think on last last podcast, the Eagles are a team I've noticed like when they have expectations, they don't really perform, and then when they don't have expectations, they do well. Yeah, I think this Eagles team on defense at least held a held a. The 49ers usually a really good rushing attack. So to 3.1 yards per rush is actually really solid. And, yeah, I mean, this offense, I mean, they – not that much to say. They really competed, I thought, with the uh, 49ers. Like, it was just a, a close game throughout. And, yeah, I think the Eagles have a chance to compete in the NFCs for sure. And then 49ers, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo – Nothing, nothing too special, but I mean that's another W, in um, no turnovers. So I think for now, Jimmy G, locked in as a starting quarterback. I think the only chance Trey Lance probably has the next few weeks to get on the field, unless Jimmy G has an absolute meltdown, probably Jimmy G if he gets hurt. Which I mean, hopefully for him, for his sake, he doesn't. But I think that right now, that's the only way. Uh, Trey Lance becomes the starter because with the 49ers at 2-0 and and Jimmy G doing pretty solid, I, I don't see how you can make a change right now. Yeah, I agree. They have an early bye week this week, which is interesting because normally a great spot to bring in a rookie QB. I know this is what the Dolphins did last year. Tua would be right off your bye week, but it's like week six this year. So they do have they have a pretty tough schedule coming up. I just looked at it. It's uh, Green Bay this week, and then they play Arizona and Seattle. I'm not sure if it's which order it is, but it's definitely Green Bay and then those two teams, and then they're by. So who knows if they lose these next three games going into your bye? I mean, I think you might be saying, all right, let's get Trey Lance in there. But if you go into your bye four and one, especially with two of winning two of those three games against those premier teams, I feel like it's like, all right, Jimmy G, maybe this is your year. You know what I mean? So we'll ride with you and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, the 49ers, their defense definitely showed out, and they're going to need their defense because the Los Angeles Rams. They proved that on offense, they have all sorts of firepower, even without really Robert Woods getting as involved because Cooper Cup is having a breakout year with Matthew Stafford. They beat the Colts 27-24. I think the main story in this game will definitely be Carson Wentz and his health and the recurring question of can Carson Wentz stay on the field because he sprained both ankles. He misses a couple drives towards the end of that game. Jacob Eason throws a pick and stuff like that. The Colts are not able to come back. So I think, I mean, the Colts, if you ask me, are the best 0-2 team in the league. So... 
hopefully they can bounce back. They have a tough divisional game. And I think the biggest thing is, can they get their quarterback back on the field? Because Wentz, like, I thought he looked pretty good in this game until he went out. So I think they definitely need Wentz back if they want a shot against Tennessee. Yeah, I think Wentz through, um, through two games has looked pretty solid. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's been he's had some injury issues over the last few years. Actually, ever since, like, he, he tore his ACL, it's been a little tough for him to stay on the field. And, yeah, I mean, this you knew through the first five games. Obviously, I don't think Miami, obviously, two is hurt. We'll get to that um, probably soon. But, I mean, they have a really hard schedule the first five games. And, yeah, I mean, Tennessee stole a game. In Seattle, I think this is a big, big game. Only week three, but you really do not want to drop to 0-3 in two games behind your uh, divisional foe. So, yeah, I think Carson Wentz playing this game is a big question. I think they really need him to play. I think the problem, the Colts, like, in the past have had a solid backup, Jacoby Brissett, but, like, right now it's Sam Ellinger and Jacob Eason, two guys who really have no experience in the NFL. So, Carson Wentz cannot go on Sunday. It could be a tough game, but hopefully he can go, and we'll see a good uh, AFC South matchup. But, yeah, I mean, the Rams continue to impress. Cooper Cup has just shot out of a cannon in these first two games. He's been all over the field on the offensive side. Matthew Stafford looks locked in in the Sean McVay offense. So, I mean, this Rams team, obviously a contender in the NFC. Yeah, for sure. I think they continue to prove that they're uh, right up there with the Buccaneers to run the NFC. Even, I guess you could say the Packers, but I I think right now we have a potential preview of the NFC Championship this weekend in Los Angeles between the Rams and the Bucks because of how good they are. I mean, Cam Akers is out, but Darrell Henderson and Sony Michelle kind of stepped into that role, uh, picking up production. More on more Henderson, but Henderson does have an injury. I think it's his, I want to say it's his ankle, and I'm not 100% sure. They're not sure if he's going to go yet, so something also to monitor because, again, this is a guy who's maybe looked over the past couple of years with Cam Akers coming back in, uh, them drafting Cam Akers last year and stuff like that. But he stepped into a big role definitely early on in the season. Hopefully he can keep it going. Their NFC West foe, the Arizona Cardinals, got real lucky this past weekend. The Vikings win this game 34-33. Kyler Murray continues to show. I think you picked Kyler Murray to win MVP, right? Yeah. I mean, through two weeks, score, you're spot on right now. I'd say he's the MVP of the league after two weeks, which is definitely you know, like – you know, I mean, what, what does that mean? But it's nothing. It's two weeks in. But still, I mean, that touchdown that he had to Rondell Moore was awesome. Him rolling out of the pocket there. But, yeah, I think the Vikings definitely should have won this game. I mean, Greg Joseph misses a 37-yard field goal late. I think the Cardinals, week one, their defense is good. But, obviously, in week one, they turned in a stellar performance against the, um, the Tennessee Titans. But Dalvin Cook showed them again on the ground that they are very vulnerable this past week. And, yeah, the Vikings, at least – Two top, brutal starts, like brutal losses, you know what I mean? Both down to the wire. I still think the Vikings are a playoff team. I think these are the two teams that I kind of had fighting for maybe that last wild card spot with leaning towards the Vikings only because of their easier division. So I think they have like some divisional games that they'll be able to win more so than the Cardinals. But yeah, I, I think this was just, a, again, a well, a lot of offense and stuff like that. I mean, Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball pretty well. And again, you should just win this game on that last second field goal by Kirk Joseph. I know the Cardinals had a chance to put this game away and they weren't really able to run the clock out. So I guess that's one deficiency. You can even look at the Cardinals and be like, yeah, they might be 2-0, and but uh, I don't, I, I don't, they're kind of a lucky 2-0 and in a sense. Like I said, the Vikings should have won this game. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings, obviously, I mean, you know Vikings kickers 
They just love to cursed. sell. Yeah, they are pretty cursed, especially at the end of the game. They just love to sell pretty short, reasonable field goals. So, I mean, Blair Walsh, Greg Joseph, kind of tough. But, I mean, this Cardinals team, definitely legit, in my opinion. Obviously, hey, I mean, good teams, they find ways to win close games no matter how it is. And, obviously, Kyler Murray, through two games, has looked just electric. I mean, on the ground and just what's, what's even more impressive. I mean, he, he currently has 689 passing yards through two games and his ability to run also obviously just like makes him legit just an absolute nightmare to face. And I think he's going to continue to do that to defenses. I mean, he's, I think he's a tough guy to uh, figure out. But I think the Vikings... I think the Vikings through two games, obviously two tough losses, can easily be two and out. But I don't know. It doesn't get any easier. They got Seattle and Cleveland. I mean, I think this week is a must win for Minnesota. I, I don't. I don't think. Obviously, I, I know last year I think they were like one in five to start and then came on a little bit. But like, it's just tough in the NFL. This is not like baseball or basketball. Like you start off like. With this under 500 record, like you start off 0 and 3, 0 and 4, like it's tough to make the playoffs. So, I think the Vikings this week at home in the home opener gotta get on the um, in the W, gotta get in the W column against a a good Seattle team. But yeah, I think this was a really good game. Two good offenses, and yeah, I mean the Cardinals showing out for the NFC West, and I think they're proving they're legit. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I think the Cardinals, I, I know, it, it, like, I watch them again and it's just like, how can I say that they're not going to go to the playoffs? Because they are a hell of a football team. And Kyler Murray, like I said, you hit that right on the head with a potential MVP candidate this year. Moving on to the AFC now, the two AFC West teams that were actually victorious this week. We'll start with the Denver Broncos real quick over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think everybody expected this. I'm just certainly surprised uh, at Teddy Bridgewater in the play so far through two games. I thought that he was kind of like stale in a sense, if you want to say, but Jerry Judy goes down, Corlin Sutton steps up, Noah Fant stepped up, and Teddy Bridgewater continues to distribute the football, make plays, and uh, has this Broncos team kind of rolling. Yeah, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, um, yeah, he's balling out. I, I was expecting, like, I wasn't expecting anything bad from Teddy because, like, obviously Teddy, he's a good pro. I just think of him more of like an average quarterback, but through two games, obviously. He's balled out, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, I think he's taking advantage of this opportunity, getting the nod over Drew Locke, and he's kind of running away with it, obviously through two games. Two 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 teams they probably should beat. I mean, the Giants on the road, kind of a tough game, but obviously Jacksonville team, they should, uh, they should handle. And, yeah, I mean, they're going to play the Jets this week, probably should win that game also. So I think it's important for this team – Get off to a good start. Get behind Teddy Bridgewater because, uh, yeah, I mean, this team has not, ever since, like, Peyton Manning has left, they really had not made the playoffs, I don't think. So I think it's important for them to get off to a solid start, and they've looked really good through uh, through two games. Yeah, for sure. They haven't really had an answer at quarterback since Peyton left, and hopefully Teddy Bridgewater, at least in the short term, we were saying maybe Drew Locke takes over eventually, but right now, it's Teddy's world, and I'll keep living in a Teddy. But on the other side, Trevor Lawrence kind of, again, didn't look great. He was only 14 for 33. That is an ugly completion percentage. Only threw for like 118 yards. Again, I think Urban Meyer in the uh, postgame was like, 
we got to, like, what does it mean, like, out-coach or something like that? Uh, maybe not adapting the best right now to the NFL. But, again, this Jaguars team is a team that went 1-15 last year by no stretch of the imagination where they're going to magically turn it around. Trevor's walking into a tough environment. So, hopefully the Jags can get on track soon. But you mentioned Teddy playing so well in the NFC West, in the AFC West as a quarterback. Derek Carr has the Las Vegas Raiders 2-0 after a big Monday night football win last week over the Ravens. Now they beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I mean, you talk about another impressive win. He continues to make plays. He threw that long pass to Henry Ruggs for a touchdown. I know the Steelers did lose a bunch of guys in this game. They lost TJ Watt, uh, Deontay Johnson late. And I mean, the big one too, Big Ben's got a pectoral injury. I guess we'll start with the Raiders' first quarter. I mean, are you pretty surprised about this? I feel like we thought the AFC West was, I don't want to say like the Chiefs and then everybody. Like the, we thought it was the Chiefs and the and everybody else, but I mean, we got some competition right now, one through four. Oh, 100%. I think the Raiders, I, like I think the Raiders are usually, they're usually a good team to start, but I think through the first two, they've, they've just beaten two good AFC North opponents. And yeah, they just came into into Pittsburgh and looked really good. Derek Carr through the first two games could say he's honestly an MVP candidate mm-hmm. himself. So yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna say the Raiders are legit yet, but I mean, I'm liking how they're looking right now. And I don't know. I think if they keep this up, obviously they play the Dolphins this week. I think um, that's a very very winnable game. Then they for the Chargers on the road on Monday Night Football. So I think the Raiders could keep this up. And for the Steelers, obviously Big Ben uh, kind of banged up right now. But I don't know. I think the problem, obviously, with the Steelers team, we know is not their defense. I think their offense still struggling a little bit. Uh, was outgained in this game by a lot. Najee Harris looked a little better. Got his first career touchdown. But I don't know. I just think. I think with this, I think Big Ben as the quarterback of this offense, like, you're just not going to get, like, this is not 2010 Big Ben. Like, you're not going to get an explosive offense at this stage. I think they just got to rely on their defense and try to find points how they can because I don't know. I I think what we saw, like, last year at the end of the year and through two weeks, I know they won week one, but, like, their offense just – is not that good at this stage. And I think Big Ben, I think with him at, with him at QB, you're not going to – you're just not going to get that good of an offense. And I think that's shown right now. Yeah, I think the Steelers have definitely, like, turned a page almost where it was, like, in the Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell in, like, 2015 – like, through, through, like, 2018, even I know Bell was out in 2018, stuff like that. But, you know what I mean? They were an explosive offense, stuff like that. Even Ben Roethlisberger back then, you know what I mean, was slinging the ball all around. But now it's a lot more underneath stuff. And with that, they got to start getting Najee Harris going because they need to have some explosive plays on the offensive side of the ball, and that's kind of lacking. Uh, even with that, though, I mean, Big Ben would be a huge loss. As much as like we could say that Big Ben at this stage in his career, it's not like the same player he was. You know what I mean? Going to Mason Rudolph right now or Dwayne Haskins could be brutal. They have to get healthier all over the place. I know Devin Bush missed this game. Joe Hayden missed this game. And like I said, TJ Watt left early. So definitely important for that. Um, I also mentioned another AFC West team though that did lose actually the Los Angeles Chargers at home lost on a last second field goal to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Greg Zerline, I believe it was from 56 yards, sinks it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the Cowboys ran the ball very well in this game, something that they really didn't do a lot of in 
uh, week one against the Buccaneers. But again, I thought that was game script, stuff like that. I thought Tony Pollard ran it well. I thought Zeke looked a lot better than week one. Again, as a Giants fan, this is this is a tough loss uh, for the Chargers. You know what I mean? I would have loved to see them uh, knock Dallas to 0-2. But yeah, I think that what Dallas showed me today, too, in this game at least, is that they can win without Dak Prescott throwing for 350 yards and really putting like the offense on his back almost in a sense. Their defense stepped up big today. Uh, they were able to adjust a lot more, give Herbert a little bit of trouble. I know Herbert threw for a bunch of yards, but again, well, they scored two touchdowns, you know what I mean? I, I mm-hmm. The Chargers will tell you right there, they got to score more than 17 points. So uh, Dan Quinn maybe has figured something out on the defensive side of the ball, and I think Dallas uh, is starting to play a little bit more complimentary football, which would help them uh, as their season progresses and with their playoff hopes. Yeah, I mean, this Dallas team, uh, last year when Dak was playing, they would have to win games like 40-something to, to 40. Like, they would have to outscore teams, I think, against the talented, good offensive, uh, against a talented, good Los Angeles Char- Chargers offense. Like, the fact that the Cowboys were able to win this game 20-17, to 17, I think is a good sign for them just because – they were able to hold um, a good offense to 17 points, which really has not been the case for this Dallas defense over the last year. So, yeah, like you said, Dak Prescott did not have his A game in this one. Obviously had a good completion percentage, but threw one pick. The running game looked good. Um, I kind of I kind of thought Zeke, was, like in week one, did not look too good, but obviously I was aware it was also like no one wants to run on the – Buccaneers, him and Tony Pollard look good as a duo. And yeah, I think through two games, the Cowboys are looking pretty solid. Went right down to the wire with the best team in the NFL and then went on the road and beat the, beat a good Los Angeles Chargers team. So I think both these teams definitely have uh, playoff rosters and playoff hopes. So I think this was a, a really good game. I bet you a lot of betters lost in this one because they fell for the over 55 trap. I just think, yeah, I mean, it was a good game. Both sides showed they, um, their defense are up for the challenge. So, yeah, it was a good game. Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, you, you think there's a lot of points in that game, but there was not. You, the Cowboys bounced back from week one. We'll talk about some other teams, too, that bounced back after some tough week one performances. I guess the one that uh, really surprised me the most, I guess we'll go with the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. Finally, Lamar Jackson beats the Chiefs in a 36-35 victory. I mean, in large part because Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumbles the ball with about like a minute 30 left. And then Lamar Jackson on fourth down in his own territory. John Arbor says, you want to go for it, Lamar? Lamar says, of course I do. And they get the first down. Uh, again, Lamar looked like the best player on the field in this game, even in a game with Patrick Mahomes. They took away Tyree Kill. They made the Chiefs beat them in other ways, even for the most part, Travis Kelsey. I know Travis Kelsey had that long touchdown in the third quarter, I believe it was, but you know what I mean? They, they let other guys early beat them. I think the first three touchdowns in this game scored by the Chiefs were like Pringle, Robinson, and Darrell, Darrell Williams. So I guess that was part of their plan, and it definitely worked with the Ravens. I thought, again, the Ravens have played the Chiefs. Well, that, that was their, like, like the uh, that was the fourth time I think Lamar had played fourth. the Chiefs, and it was the worst. Like, it was the worst team, if you ask me, he had by far. Uh, but yeah, they really stepped up to the challenge. Uh, Hollywood Brown looks really good on the offensive side of the ball, too. And like I said, Lamar Jackson kind of just really willed uh, the Ravens to victory in this game. Definitely uh, a game that, honestly, the Ravens kind of had to have after losing week one. But you talk about taking a complete 180, losing to the Raiders on Monday Night Football, kind of getting, like, dominated in that game in a sense from, like, the line of scrimmage and then beating the Chiefs in that. Uh, it's pretty impressive. First loss ever in Patrick Mahomes' career in September. 
Yeah, I think in this game, I mean, I think I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is the best player um, amongst these two teams. I definitely think Patrick Mahomes is. But I think in this game, when it came down to getting things done and putting the team on your back, Lamar Jackson was the best player on the field. I think in a game where the Ravens, I think they needed, I I think they needed to win. Um, obviously, Lamar Jackson, 0-3 in his career versus um, the Chiefs. And obviously, he's had trouble winning some big games. Obviously, he beat the Titans in the playoffs last year. But I think the way he put the team on his back in this one, just, I don't know. When Lamar Jackson runs the ball, like the Ravens' offense, I know you can't run the ball every play, but when he decides to run it, I mean, their offense is so dynamic, even – with all the injuries they have. And, uh, I mean, Hollywood Brown was his go-to guy in this one. And Sammy Watkins maybe uh, flashing, I mean, turning back the tables a little bit. I think, I don't know, I think the, this is a big win. I think this win, this win meant a lot more for the Ravens, obviously, than the loss for the Chiefs. The Chiefs, obviously, um, a perennial contender at this point. I think the Ravens really needed this game. And when it came to um, the spotlight, Lamar showed up. And I think Lamar wanting to go for that fourth down just shows the confidence he has in himself, which um, was really good. And I think John Harbaugh having the confidence in Lamar is a really good um, player-coach connection. So I thought this was a great win for the Ravens. Yeah, for sure. One of my favorite things I like my favorite thing from this game was how John Harbaugh put the ball in his best player's hands when the game mattered the most. And I mean, yes, you could say that Andy Reid like didn't. I think running the ball obviously was the right move there, but Andy Reid took the ball out of Mahomes' hands. Pat uh, Cloud Edwards Delaire fumbles, and then you know what I mean on the other end. I thought it was completely the right move, by the way, for John Harbaugh to go for that. I think it, even if you don't go for it and the Chiefs end up winning on a field goal, you know what I mean? They weren't. If the Chiefs got the ball back, they were winning that game. There's no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I think it was an awesome move by John Harbaugh to go for that. Another team in the AFC that really bounced back was the Tennessee Titans. And they were down big in this game. They're down two touchdowns at halftime. It doesn't matter. Derrick Henry went bonkers in the second half, finished like 180 plus rushing yards on the ground. They win this game in overtime on a game winning field goal by Randy Bullock. So good for Randy Bullock. You know what I mean? Finally get these kickers their love. I know Zerline had a game winning field goal, but he did as well. So uh, yeah, Seattle, I mean, in a tough NFC West, you can't blow games like this, especially at home. Kind of uh, embarrassing, if you ask me from that sense, with a team like the Cardinals, kind of, um, in the, I think we could, I think we both would agree that like the Rams and the 49ers kind of on the top end of this division. But I mean, if you ask me, at least from my standpoint, I think the Cardinals and the Seahawks are kind of really battling it out for like that third spot. Maybe, maybe uh, I'm a little off on that, but you know what I mean? I think that this was a game, again, they had to have. You cannot blow a two-touchdown lead at home. I know Tennessee is good. Uh, Julio Jones kind of turned back the clock, uh, had a big day. Should have even had another touchdown. I think that was absurd that that call gets uh, overturned, mm-hmm. but it's part of the rules, I guess. You know what I mean? But, yeah, Tennessee, a team that I kind of uh, penned as a fraud, uh, still doesn't still didn't completely sell, sell me yet. But, um, yeah, their second-half performance, they uh, definitely looked uh, a lot better, at least, than they did the first six quarters of the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, the NFC West, I think the Rams were on top, but, like, I would not say it's, like, a bold statement to say that the Seattle Seahawks could be, like, ranked as the second-best team in that division right now. Even though they lost, like, I just think Seattle is a good team. But Tennessee, obviously, had a huge second half in this one. Um, I kind of thought 
Seattle was just going to run away and win this game at some point. Russell Wilson had a good game, but I mean, Derrick Henry, he just proves when like when he's able to run the ball effectively, he's just one of the most dominant players, if not the most dominant player in the NFL. It's just um, he could just carry an offense when he when he's going the offensive lines, creating holes like he's just different. Obviously, Julio Jones had a big game. And, you know, this Tennessee offense, I think when they're at their best, like they're right there with. With one of like the best offenses in the league, I think definitely could be a top five offense if the consistency is there by the end of the uh, season. Definitely a gut wrencher to Seattle at home. And now like. At one and one and one just seems so much worse than two and zero. Oh. Now mm-hmm. they have a big game against uh, Minnesota, especially in the in the NFC West, where like you see teams like the Rams, teams like the 49ers, even teams like the like teams like Cardinals. Like these guys just don't lose. So to blow a game like this, definitely tough for Pete Carroll and the and the, C- and the Seahawks. Yeah, and that NFC West, your margin for error is just so small. So a game, again, where you're up two touchdowns multiple times, can't blow it. Uh, a couple other teams that really bounced back this past week, the Bills go down to Miami and kill them. They beat them 35-0. Josh Allen, if you ask me again, doesn't look great. Uh, didn't really look like his 2020 form, but didn't really matter. Tua kind of went out early in this game with an injury. I think they said like, the x-ray came back negative. It's just a rib injury. Probably a, a ton of pain he looked like when he was coming out of that game. Jacoby Brissett really wasn't able to get anything going on offense. They get Wolf Fuller back this week, which is good. Hopefully he can spark that offense. And again, I think it matters if they can get to it back. I think that's a big get for them. But yeah, again, the Bills, uh, tough week one at home against a tough Steelers defense. But again, they handled the Dolphins very well last year. And uh, they seem to be back on track. Also, the Green Bay Packers, too, struggled in the first half with the Detroit Lions. I think the Lions are a lot better than people give them credit for. They're very physical up front, too. Their offensive line is honestly criminally underrated. You could uh, argue with Taylor Decker healthy. They're a top-10 offensive line. Um, But, yeah, Aaron Rodgers in the second half decided, all right, enough playing around. Started really exploiting that uh, banged-up Detroit Lions secondary. I know you had that long pass to Devontae Adams and the touchdown to Robert Tunyon. Aaron Jones went crazy in this game, four touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I think, again, the Packers were just – Aaron Rodgers was in his press conference, relax, and uh, for good reason because he comes out in the second half and just looked uh, looked very good. Looked like 2020 Aaron Rodgers, MVP Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers in this one, uh, a little bit of um struggle at first. Obviously, we're down 17-14 at some point to this Lions team who I think – through two weeks, obviously, have two losses, but I think they've really competed. I think Dan Campbell's uh, done a good job, even though they lost. Like I think <laughs> they they look they look like a solid football team. I know they lost two good teams. They've lost two, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers second half kind of turned back the clock from uh, last year's MVP season through four pa- I mean four touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I mean Aaron Jones four touchdowns. They really their offense and a bounce backs situation they really did bounce back and then for the bills i think they i i thought they were i thought bills minus three and a half was a really good bet obviously two are going down helped that 35 nothing on the road their defense looked really good obviously against jacoby Brissett. yeah josh allen like you said obviously did not look great but i mean the team won 35 nothing i have no Concerned that Josh Allen will uh, will eventually get back into some type of form last season. I'm not saying he's going to repeat what he did last year, but I'm I'm confident he'll get back to being 
like Josh Allen. So I think this Bills team still very dangerous. Yeah, listen, I also say Josh Allen didn't look great. But again, Josh Allen, I'm not, I wouldn't be too worried about the guy proved last year he was a rock star. So I'm expecting that again from him this year. And I couldn't see the Bills in any possible way falling to 0-2 on the season again. In two games that honestly they should have won against the Steelers and the Dolphins, both inferior opponents. Two other games I will just wrap up real quick before we get into our game picks. The Falcons and the Buccaneers. I, again, Tom Brady, It's just he just doesn't age. You know what I mean? He just continues to throw touchdowns. Rob Gronkowski catches two. It's just unbelievable uh, the connection that those two guys have. Their defense with two pick sixes. Um, I think a lot of people were like saying maybe the Lions have the worst team in the league. I think the Falcons are worse than the Lions for sure. I think the Lions would definitely beat them. The Falcons are brutal. And the Bears-Bengals, uh, kind of an ugly game. I know the Bears uh, got like a pick six in this game. They gave Joe, they intercepted Joe Burrow on three straight drives, three straight pass attempts. So that was pretty crazy. But Justin Fields, came into this game because Andy Dalton went down and Fields honestly did struggle throwing the ball. Uh, Matt Nagy, maybe he was right all along. I know obviously their scheme is kind of like, it really isn't like catered to Justin Fields' strengths. So him coming in in the middle of a game really isn't like the best idea, not really putting a great chance to succeed. But honestly, as crazy as this sounds, like I guess Andy Dalton should be the starter if he's healthy next week. And I, like I said, I just think it's again, because by putting Justin Fields out there yet, yeah, he's just not like, He's not put in a position to succeed. So don't don't put a young quarterback out there where he can get exposed very easily. Yeah, I mean, Justin Fields um, in this one kind of struggled when he when he came in. Um, they got the win, but yeah, 6 for 13 for 63 yards, obviously, did not look too comfortable. It was a tough situation for him to, to come in and uh, replace Andy Dalton. But, I mean, they got the win. I don't know if Andy Dalton will be back for next week. But, um, I don't know. I think if Andy Dalton's healthy, he will be the quarterback uh, next week just because they won in the struggles of Justin Fields. I know it's only been one game, but, I mean, he just did not look great. And, obviously, I mean, Tom Brady and the Bucks. I mean, Tom Brady throws for five touchdowns. Just, I don't get it. This guy's 44 years old. Dude, he's 44. I think Aaron Rodgers is, what, like 30? I don't even know. I think he's, like, mid to high 30s. But, like, Tom Brady. I think Rodgers is 30, like, 37, 38, honestly, if that. But you, like, like Tom Brady looks younger than him. And he just, I don't know, Tom Brady just doesn't age. I think Tom Brady definitely can play until 50. I mean, this Falcons team through two weeks has looked like the worst team in the NFL. There's just no doubt about it. I'm not saying they are. But through the first two weeks, they've looked terrible. I think it was a good sign. Kyle Pitts finally had some life to him. Uh, five catches, 73 yards. I think that's a step in the right direction for this team a little bit. Uh, Matt Ryan, a kind of kind of in a dumpster fire right now with this, with this Atlanta team. Kind of tough situation. Yeah, listen, we'll get to some quarterbacks in the college part of our show who um, potentially are improving their draft stock. And I think the Falcons better start looking at that because I think Matt Ryan's era in Atlanta could be uh, – coming to an end, especially with the way he's been playing. I mean, and again, it just looks like the franchise is rebuilding. So I think Matt Ryan could potentially be maybe a good quarterback to go to a team that needs a bridge guy, needs a guy, who's a veteran guy who's going to come and take care of the football. But again, uh, Matt Ryan, I think his best days are behind him, and it doesn't help that the Falcons roster isn't great around him. But it's going to move on to our game picks, and Core will start right now. Uh, insert that Tim Tebow press conference after that loss in Florida because um, – 
<laughs> you know what I mean? My, my picks have sucked. You know what I mean? Uh, my survivor picks have been all right. I'm, I'm two for two. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. good. But I got to I got to get going. My record's got to get better. So you know what? I'm going to get it started right now. The Panthers and the Texans in a brutal Thursday night football game. I mean, we've got two great Thursday night football games. Uh, I don't think this one's going to be too great. I was jacking Davis Mills earlier about his talent and him coming out of Stanford, how he's got nothing to lose. I think the Panthers might be a little overvalued here because they've had two great performances, although it was against the Jets and the New Orleans Saints. But if you ask me, it doesn't matter. Seven and a half is a brutal number to lay. Uh, but again, if you're if you're in the pick em pool, you, can, you, you know what I mean? You got to live with it. So I'm going to go with the Panthers here. I definitely will win the game, and I'll take them, I guess, at seven and a half. I just think their defense, again, it's been so good through two weeks that, like, what are they going to – like, Davis Mills on a short week, I mean, that is a tough ask for him. So, I like the Panthers here. I like Sam Darnold improving to 3-0 and in his Panthers career. Yeah, I like the Panthers minus seven and a half here. I think if Tyrod plays plus seven and a half, I would love the Texans. But, I don't know, Davis Mills, honestly, a guy I have not really seen much – Obviously, he was playing Stanford on the West Coast, and I just didn't see much of him. Uh, I hope the best, but I think, like you said, sure a week for Davis Mills. I'm going to take the Panthers minus seven and a half here. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's interesting to see how this line will also move. I think it's just going to get even bigger now that Tyrod was ruled out. He was ruled out today, so out of suit. Or actually, might have, no, yeah, he was ruled out today, so it might have been – it might be – um swinging more in the Panthers' favor. Moving on to the Sunday slate. The Falcons travel to New York by the Giants. Giants are three-point favorites here. Absolute must-win. Giants have to have this game. I'll get into this game more later in the week on our another different episode. But uh, I'm going to take the Giants here minus three for sure. Like I said, long week for the Giants. I mentioned the Falcons are one of the worst teams in the NFL. The Giants have to have this game. Daniel Jones looked 10 times better against Washington. Jason Garrett looked great calling plays for him. So yeah, I'm going to go with the Giants here minus three and they put that Washington loss behind them and get right back in the NFC East hunt. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think this Giants minus three seems like such an easy bet. Too easy, which, right? Yeah, honestly seems a little bit concerning, but like through through two weeks, the way the Atlanta Falcons have looked, I'm not going to take the Falcons on the road here. So, I mean, it seems so easy. I don't know if it's a trap. I, I'll fall for the trap. I'll take the Giants minus three here pretty uh, pretty easily. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It, it's like almost like a lot of people are disrespecting the Giants. I see Bleacher Report today posting a thing. The Giants are like 28th. Like, come on. Get, get out of here, man. And then, mm-hmm. I know I'm biased, but get out of here. 28th. Come on now. Washington, <laughs> they traveled to Buffalo. Buffalo, eight and a half point favorites here. Taylor Heineke looked all right against the Giants. I wouldn't say he looked great, only because I thought the Giants could have gotten a lot more pressure on him. I thought they sat back in zone coverage a lot and uh, let Heineke kind of pick them apart and let him uh, relax in the pocket. So I hope Buffalo gets more pressure on him. Ultimately, I think Buffalo wins this game coming back home. They improved the 2-1. I will take Washington, though, to cover. I think Washington's defense is very good. I think they have a chance to get after Josh Allen, similarly to how the Pittsburgh Steelers got after Josh Allen in week one and made him uncomfortable. But ultimately, I don't think it will be enough. I don't think they'll have the firepower. So that is my picks for that game. Yeah, I think Washington, I don't know, through – I've noticed they play – a lot of close games. Not close, but, like, they're pretty competitive. So, I think a spread over a touchdown, I'll take the football team to cover that. But I, there's no way. I don't think they're winning this game in Buffalo. I'll take the Bills to win. Okay. Moving on to the Bears and the Browns. The Browns are seven-point favorites at home. The Browns did get back on track last week with a win over the Houston Texans. Uh, this is going to be my third straight time that I'm picking against the Bears. I'll take the Browns minus seven here. Uh, again, 
uncertainty a little bit at quarterback. Andy Dalton probably will go this week a little banged up, though. Um, I know the Browns did just lose Jarvis Landry, but if you ask me, it doesn't matter. I think they still run the ball on the Bears. The Bears had just had trouble beating the Bengals, uh, so I'll take Browns here. Yeah, I think – I hate to keep agreeing, but, yeah, I think I'm going to take the Browns minus seven. I think I'm going to take the Browns minus seven here also. I just think – I don't know. The Bears are not that good of a team. I know they beat the Bengals at home. But, yeah, I'm going to ride with the Browns uh, minus seven in this one. Okay, moving on to our next game. Uh, we got the Ravens, eight-and-a-half-point favorites against the Lions here. I think I'm taking the Lions at both games with the number. And you know what? I, I just love how the Lions play very physical on that offensive side of the ball. Jared Goff, with that, when, when they don't get a lot of pressure on him, he looks good. He, and when they get a lot of pressure on him, he looks awful. But I'm going to go with the Lions here, uh, plus eight-and-a-half. I'll take the Ravens ultimately to win the game. But going back to Detroit, expect uh, the Ravens, you know what I mean? This is coming off a big win. I think maybe they come out to a slow start. Normally, I would love the Ravens here because the Ravens are a team that beat up on inferior opponents. But I don't know. I think it's still a little bit of a different Ravens team from years past. Uh, so, yeah, I think they maybe give the Lions a close game. Similarly to how the Raiders were very physical with the Ravens, I think the Lions could potentially do that, not for the whole game or something like that. Maybe they'll run out of juice like they did on Monday night. But I don't know. Even on the short week, I'm going to go with the Lions eight and a half, plus eight and a half with the Ravens ultimately to win the game. Yeah, no. If there's a bet that I love in this game, I'll, I'll say it. I love over 49 and a half in this game. I just expect the Ravens to at least drop 30 plus. I think this Lions defense is trash, mm -hmm. but I mean, obviously they're pretty banged up, but I think the Lions also get their points. They, uh, I mean, they score a lot of, not garbage time points, but they get, they get their points. So love the over in this game, but you know, I think Lamar goes crazy in this one again. I think this Lions defense will have no answer for him. So I'll take the Ravens minus eight and a half here in Detroit. Oh, no bias there from Lickman, who has Lamar Jackson as his QB in fantasy football. Uh, what else is new? Uh, moving on to an AFC South battle we kind of alluded to earlier. The Colts, five-point underdogs against the Titans at home. I think this definitely hinges on Carson Wentz's health. Um, I'm going to side with them, though. I, I think, first of all, the number I think is too big. Like, even honestly, if Wentz doesn't play, I think the Colts are still very talented, and the Colts cannot fall to 0-3. There's just a huge sense of urgency for them. So I'll take the Colts plus five, and I'll also take the Colts to win the game here. I don't know. It's just, again, I like the Colts maybe a little too much, and I don't like the Titans enough. I don't think they're good. Like, they're good. I, like I said, I've been picking the Colts to win this division, and I'm not, I'm not stepping off the gas right now. I'm going with the Colts plus five here and to win the game, and hopefully Carson Wentz is on that field on Sunday. I mean, I think, I think if 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 Carson Wentz is not playing, I don't know what the spread will go up to. I think if he does play, it probably goes down to like minus three or something. But I'm not at the circumstances that we are right now. I'm banking on Carson Wentz to not play, so I'll take Tennessee minus five here. I think um, I think the Colts obviously need a win here, but I think the Titans also see this as an opportunity to create a tad bit of separation here three games into the season. So I'll take the Titans minus five. Okay, moving on to the Chargers and the Chiefs and AFC West battle. Both teams one and one and actually tied for ten, like like tied for last in this division, as crazy as it is, because the Raiders and the Broncos are both 2-0. and oh. Chiefs six-and-a-half-point favorites here at home, coming off a loss. I don't think there's anything more I have to say. I know also the Chargers are coming off a loss, and they are a good football team. But again, this is a spot where the Chiefs will just remind America that they are the Kansas City Chiefs, and they are uh, one of the best teams in the National Football League. So I'll just take the Chiefs here, for sure, with the number two. Chiefs versus Chargers here. I think this will be a good game. I'll take the Chargers 
plus six and a half here. I think the Chiefs win the game, obviously. But I don't know. I think this game is uh, less than six and a half points. I think um, Justin Herbert, I think, uh, I don't know if he's taking receipts, but I, I remember Patrick Mahomes said something like, kind of slandering Justin Herbert. I think someone said something about, like, Justin Herbert's coming, and he said, like, I'll said some stupid, like, something dumb. He was like, I'll see it when I believe it, even though it's the other way around. But I think he takes that as some motivation. I'll take Chargers plus six and a half Chiefs to win the game. Okay, moving on to a game in Foxborough. But the Saints travel to play the Patriots. Patriots three-point favorites here. Jameis Winston just looked awful against the Carolina Panthers. Like I said, they weren't able to get anything going on offense. And now, arguably, they're playing – a more talented defense in the New England Patriots. So I'll take the Patriots here, minus three. I know, like I said, the Saints are probably going to get a lot of their coaches back, but I don't think it's going to matter. Bill Belichick at home. Mac Jones has had a good command of this offense. Damian Harris gets going on the ground, and I see the Patriots winning this one. Yeah, I mean, I'll take – I think the, um, this is a bounce-back situation for, for the New Orleans Saints. So I like the Saints plus three in this one. I think, um, obviously, the Bill Belichick, a great coach. Uh, I think Sean Payton's also a really good coach. I expect him to bounce back. So I'll take the Saints plus three here, and I'll take the Saints to uh, to go into Foxborough and actually get a win. All right. Let's see if they can do it. Speaking of teams that are going to bounce back, hopefully, this week, both of these AFC North teams lost. The Cincinnati Bengals traveled to the Steelers to play Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh three-and-a-half-point favorites here. I think a lot of this hinges on Ben Roethlisberger's uncertainty. And, again, a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. But – even with all those guys banged up, I'm still going to take the Steelers here, minus three and a half. Uh, hopefully, T.J. Watts out there. If he is, I think he gets a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow. Uh, I really hope Ben Roethlisberger is in this game. I, I even think, honestly, if not, they can win this game because I just think they are a more talented team than the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they give Burrow a lot of fits. And also, kind of um, a little bit of revenge because I remember last year, the last time that these two teams played in Cincinnati, though, actually, Cincinnati beat them on Monday Night Football. Kind of embarrassed them, in a sense. Like That, that was a game that... Pittsburgh had absolutely no business of losing, and they do. So I think this is a little bit of a revenge game in that sense. I think this is a little bit of a bounce back from last week against the Las Vegas Raiders, and I think the Steelers um, win this one comfortably, actually. Yeah, I think this is another line that like just seems easy. Like Pittsburgh minus three and a half. I, I just think, I think that's an easy line. Like I think I'll take the Steelers. I think um, they bounce back. I think they lean on their defense. I see Joe Burrow getting sacked at least a few times. So I think the Steelers bounce back at home and uh, beat the Bengals. I think minus three and a half seems, seems pretty easy. Okay, moving on to our next game. The Cardinals travel to Jacksonville. The Cardinals seven and a half point favorites here. Another ugly line in that sense if you're in like those pickums. But again, I think I've taken the Jaguars both weeks at the spread. And they just continue to put something out on the field that I can just not back like. Now, like, I guess I have to pick the Cardinals here, uh, even with the ugly number. But Kyler Murray should have a field day on that Jaguars secondary. I think Trevor Lawrence maybe has a bounce back game from the Broncos. But again, there's just nothing that the Jaguars have shown me that says, like, they are they, that they, they're going to compete in this game. Listen, it, I might be completely off. The Cardinals might go lay an egg on the road after squeezing out that victory. You know what I mean? Normally, I would say here after that, like, late victory by the Cardinals in a game that they really shouldn't win, maybe they're going to be uh, – like too vulnerable right here against the Jaguars might come out slow, but again, I just I just don't see it with the like the Jaguars, man. They just look so lifeless. So I'm gonna go with the Cardinals here, minus seven and a half. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I'm gonna take um I mean the Arizona Cardinals obviously kind of dodged a bullet last week, 
um, with a missed field goal, 2-0. and I think the Jaguars have probably looked like a bottom two, bottom three team in the NFL right now. So I took I took um, the Broncos last week against the spread in Jacksonville. So I know minus anything over minus seven is kind of ugly to take. But, you know, I'll take I'll take um, the Cardinals here minus seven and a half over. Jaguars. OK. All right. Now we got we got two AFC East teams. Uh, in these next two games, so I'm going to kind of combine them almost in a sense. The Jets travel to Denver and play those Denver Broncos, those 2-0 Broncos. They are 10.5-point favorites of the Broncos. There's just no way uh, I'm not – like I'm taking the Broncos to cover 10.5 points. So I'll take the Jets uh, with the points there, the Broncos ultimately to win the game. I know the Broncos made Trevor Lawrence look brutal, and I guess that's what they're going on, that Zach Wilson might look even worse. But, again, I just think maybe the Broncos are a little bit way, – are way too overvalued here. I think the Jets uh, – their defense honestly hasn't been bad the first like the first two games. Like you turn the ball over four times, you only hold like the Patriots. I know not an explosive offense to like twenty something points. Not terrible in a sense. They fought in that game against Carolina, so I'll take them with the number, but the Broncos to win. And then the Dolphins travel to Vegas and play the Raiders. The Raiders, I think, are gonna keep that momentum going. They're three and a half point favorites here. Uncertainty with Tua Tugavailoa at the quarterback position. I think Max Crosby, if Tua's out there, gets after him, has him getting rid of the ball a little too quickly. Even with Will Fuller coming back for the Dolphins, I like the Raiders here three and a half. And really for them to improve to three and out. I just think after that win against the um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they, they got all wheels turned in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I think the Jets' defense has looked solid through these uh, first two games. So I'll take the Jets plus 10.5 in this one. But, you know, I really can't take them to win the game. I mean, Zach Wilson looked kind of bad last week. So I'll take, take Denver to win the game. And then, yeah, I've said this twice so far, but I just think – the Raiders minus three and a half seems like another easy bet. I mean, I don't know if all three of these are going to cash, but it just seems like an easy bet. So I'll fall for another trap if it is a trap. So I'll take the Raiders minus three and a half at home in this one. Okay, moving on to probably the game of the week right now. You can say the Buccaneers, one-point favorites over the Los Angeles Rams. As good as the Buccaneers have looked the first two weeks, the Rams have looked equally as good. I'm going to go with an upset here. The first game Tom Brady has played in his career in Los Angeles. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Rams here, plus one, and uh, for them to ultimately win the game. I think Matthew Stafford, I think Sean McVay uh, just really, like, uh, showed the rest of the world that they're a perennial Super Bowl team. Like I said, this is my Super Bowl pick, so there's no way that I'm not taking them in their first really big test against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a game that, um, personally, I would not bet on. This is just like a pick em game. So, I mean, this could literally go either way. I, I'll go with the Rams in this one. I think getting the Rams at plus one at home um, and how good they've looked through the first two games is kind of crazy value. So I'll take the Rams in uh, plus one in this one and obviously win the game. Okay, moving on to another interesting game for NFC playoff implications. The Seahawks uh, minus two traveling to Minnesota to play the Vikings. The Vikings just can't go 0-3 here. That's really what I'm going off of and in the sense that they should probably maybe even be 2-0 and the Seahawks just collapsed in the second half of that game so I like the Vikings here plus two and ultimately to win the game I think Tennessee pointed out some uh glaring holes on Seattle's run defense and I think uh, Dalvin Cook takes advantage of that so I like the Vikings here yeah I think Dalvin Cook goes crazy but I don't know I think somehow I think somehow the Seahawks bounce back and somehow the the Vikings suffer another tough loss. I don't want it to happen, but somehow I just 
it's in my gut. I think the, the Vikings lose here, so I'll take Seattle minus two. Okay, moving on to the Sunday night football game. The Packers travel to San Francisco to play the 49ers. 49ers, three and a half point favorites here. And one that I think a lot of people will like kind of like raise an eyebrow to. I think that's a, a, like a weird number in a sense. But you know what? I'm going with I think it's a weird number for a reason. I'm going to go with the 49ers three minus three and a half here. Uh, two years ago in 2019, when the 49ers were really healthy, they played the Packers twice in San Francisco and they blew them out both times. Now I know the Packers have a new defensive coordinator, but I really don't think that matters. Um, like I said, the lines were physical with them. They played them well for a half. I think the 49ers can kind of build off that stuff like that. I think if Elijah Mitchell's back healthy, because they got a lot of backs banged up, he runs wild in this game. And I think ultimately the 49ers improved to three and oh, I just think the Packers, again, on defense, maybe get a little too exposed in this game. And I think Aaron Rodgers sees the best defense that he's faced this year. As good as Saint, uh, the Saints defense was, you know what I mean? I think the 49ers defense is even better. So I'm going to go with the 49ers here. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough one. I think, the, obviously, Green Bay turned it on in the second half last, um, last night. But I'm not fully sold that they're back to their form last season. But, I mean, I think... Obviously, the Packers at plus three and a half is really good value. So I'll take the Packers plus three and a half. And I think I'll take them to win the game outright. I'm not 100 percent confident on this. But, yeah, I'll take Aaron Rodgers with uh, plus money any day. I love how we're a little different on our picks now. But moving on to the Monday Night Football game, NFC East battle. The Eagles travel to Dallas. Dallas is four-point favorites in this game. Look, I, I mentioned earlier, I like what the Eagles are doing on the defensive side of the ball, specifically their front seven. So I think the Eagles are able to keep this game close, especially with the firepower that they have with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Devonta Smith really didn't get going in that game against the 49ers, but hopefully he can. But listen, the Cowboys, as much as I hate to say it, they kind of impressed me this past week, even in that, that loss to Tampa Bay. So I'm going to take the Eagles plus four, but I'm going to ultimately go with the Cowboys to win the game. I think they showed that they could like really adapt on the fly offensively and do a lot of different things. And their defense really hung in there last week. So I think uh, they're able to pull out a victory and probably improve to uh, the first place in the NFC East. Yeah, I agree. I think the Eagles, I don't know, like, from last year's podcast, I love taking the Eagles with the points. So I'll take the Eagles plus four. But, yeah, then Dallas wins this game at home in the first home game for uh, for Dallas this season. So, I mean, if there's a team who's, who would disappoint, honestly, it is the Cowboys. But I think they win the game here. But I'll take the Eagles plus four. Yeah, honestly, what a good spot it would be for the Cowboys to disappoint because they finally got, like, good traction. I mean, that game was, like, the big broadcast one on CBS too this past week between the uh, <laughs> Cowboys and the Chargers. So what a spot for them to lay an egg on Monday night football against the Eagles at home. Oh, I would love to see it, but honestly, I just don't think they will, but uh, they are the Dallas Cowboys. So who knows? Uh, that's going to wrap it up for our NFL coverage. And let's kind of get into our college football coverage. You know, college football, again, not a great slate last week, honestly, not a great slate coming up this week, but you know what? For college football junkies, they're definitely – there's still games on, and that's all that matters. Uh, I guess we'll start with probably the best game of the week, you could argue, last week. Maybe outside of Auburn, Penn State. I know that game went down to the wire. But, I mean, Florida and Alabama was an awesome game. Florida gave Alabama everything they can handle in that game. They end up losing the game 30-29. Alabama remains um, the number one ranked team in college. And I know Alabama goes up early in this game. But, really, Emory Jones impressed me. I thought Anthony Richardson at quarterback would be the only chance that Florida had in this game because of how dynamic of a runner he is. But with his hamstring injury, he was he didn't play a snap in this game. Jones got off to a tough start, but I mean they really played uh, physical with Alabama. They were able to run the ball kind of at will and really bring them back into this game. I know in the second half too, Bill O'Brien calling plays didn't look great for Alabama, but in the end, 
Alabama gets a big first down on that drive and they're able to seal the deal. But I definitely think that a Florida team that I definitely become a fan of over the past couple of years, you know what I mean, of that program too, uh, obviously. But um, I thought they were definitely going to be in for a decline. But I think they showed that, like, honestly, I really think as good as Georgia is, I think Florida, again, could give Georgia a real good game. And maybe this kind of did show the college football world that Alabama isn't so um, – like untouchable, you know what I mean? I thought I think we both picked Alabama to win uh, to cover like the fourteen here, and they didn't. So, uh, yeah, again, like Alabama is beatable. That's what Florida showed them this week. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time where um, I've taken Bama to to cover, and they haven't. And yeah, I mean, this is a game I, I wasn't really able to watch, but I know um, Bama got up twenty-one to three, I believe, and yeah, I mean, Florida fall back. At home, I think it definitely shows. Uh, I think it's like the first, like just the, one of the first close games in a while. I think Bama's played. I mean, Bryce Young had another really good game, but I think, yeah, I mean, it definitely shows that teams could compete with Bama. I know it's only one game, like everyone's got to play a close game eventually, but I think for teams like Georgia in the SEC, I think um, definitely. Could give them a little spark of confidence, seeing that a team like Florida was right there with them. So, yeah, I think um, from Florida's standpoint, obviously no moral victories, but I'll, I'll give them a little more victory in this situation. I think for um, Bama, a team that's just been blowing out team for the le- over a year now, I think for them to come back in this ball game, what were they a two point conversion away from uh, tying this game? So. I think uh, Florida held their own, but obviously Bama won the game. But definitely shows that Bama could be played with if, uh, if like they, like they're not, they're not an NFL team. So like, yeah, teams could could stay with them. Yeah, for sure. I think Georgia could look at this in two different ways. This game, maybe they could be like, oh well, Alabama's definitely beatable, which I think they already thought and. I mean, maybe they were – I'm not going to say they were overlooking this Florida team. Because this Florida team, like I said, is still – they're still a top 15 team in the country. But, again, now it's like Georgia's no gimme to get out of the SEC East and get into that uh, SEC title game now. I think Florida's going to give them a real good um, game. And I think ultimately, like like I said, as good as Emory Jones was on the ground, I think Anthony Richards is just even better. So I think if he potentially is that quarterback for that game against Georgia, it's not until uh, at some point. I think it's uh, late. It's like the – I think it's the last weekend in October that game. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Now, that's a big game for uh, playoff implications, I think, and especially for SEC title implications. Uh, let's keep it kind of in the top 10 almost. I know Florida just outside on top, but there's three teams, really, if you ask me, that uh, moved down in the rankings this week. Uh, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. I guess I'll start with Clemson here. Uh, Clemson really squeezes out an ugly win against Georgia Tech. The game got delayed like three hours or two hours because of uh, weather and stuff like that. They moved down three spots after that win. I don't know. Clemson just really scares me on the offensive side of the ball. Their defense has been great. I don't think they've given, they haven't given up uh, an offensive touchdown yet. But uh, DJ, uh, he just really he just hasn't gotten it going at quarterback for Clemson. I think maybe again Dabo Sweeney got a little complacent all those years with Trevor Lawrence. So they really scare me. I really think they're in trouble of missing the playoffs. And I would, like if the ACC was as competitive as, as it was last year in a sense. Like I don't think Miami and North Carolina are as good as they were last year. I really think that one of those two teams would beat Clemson in the ACC title game, and Clemson would like be uh, on a bull hunt because uh, I don't think they're going to be in the college football playoffs ultimately. 
not Clemson. I know there's a delay here, but I mean, 14 to eight at home against Georgia Tech. That's just like an ugly game. That's just not a game that Dabo Sweeney probably used to. And yeah, DJ Ugalele, I don't know what's go with him because he looked really good last year. Obviously, in that game they lost against uh, Notre Dame. I think he had a game before that against Boston College. Like, he looked good, and then all of a sudden, we got this guy's throwing for 126 yards. Like, I don't know what's go with him. It's just, um, I don't know. I'd be kind of concerned about Clemson at this stage through uh, three games. Obviously, their offense. I think their defense is still really good, but I mean that offense through three games. Obviously, they lost Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, but like, it has just looked. Pretty brutal for a team who, I mean, they, 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 I mean, DJ Ugly, DJ Ugly is only a five star prospect. So, like, they, they are bringing in five star guys. So, I mean, kind of, kind of a tough look for them. But I'm going to bring up Judge Tech. Yo, where is my guy Jeff Sims at? Is he hurt? Are you, I'm not know? even, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I know they got, um, uh, who's it called? Yates. Yates is over there yeah. now. It's, um, TJ Yates' cousin. I'm not sure where Sims at. I'm I'm honestly not sure. You bring up a good point. I wasn't even thinking about Sims, honestly. I kind of like Sims, but I don't know. If you want to move on to the Oklahoma game, I mean. Yeah, we'll move on to the Oklahoma game. I mean, Oklahoma, again, against an inferior opponent. I know a couple weeks ago with Tulane, they couldn't really put them away. I think if it was anybody but Nebraska, they would have won. They would have lost that game. Uh, They get passed by Oregon. In the standings, which I, uh, in the rankings, which was the right call, if you ask me, I think they have a big pack. Uh, they have a big, big 12 game this week against West Virginia on prime time, so that'll be important. But yeah, again, I just don't love what I'm seeing from Oklahoma. Again, it's early in the season. Oklahoma seems to be one of these teams that plays their competition, so I wouldn't like hit the panic button on them. But yeah, again, I just don't like Spencer Rattler was supposed to come into the season again as a perennial Heisman candidate, and he really just hasn't like. Completely impressed me. I mean, 23 points on Nebraska is like nothing to brag about at all. Yeah, I mean, this OU team, obviously, um, week one kind of like kind of opened it up against Tulane. But, I mean, the final score, like they kind of squeezed by. Obviously, week two, a complete blow. But, like, last week, Nebraska, probably like a middle of the pack, closer to like the the bottom of the the Big Ten. And they're, like, squeezing by. And I don't know. It's kind of looked ugly for Oklahoma through three games. Obviously, they're still 3-0. And haven't done, like, enough for um, to be, like, fully lowered because they are 3-0. But I don't know. They are a team that usually does get better as the season goes by. But I was fully sold on the Sooners team but before the season. And I don't know. Through three games kind of concerned me a little. The Big 12 is not looking too great. Obviously, Iowa State dropped uh, a game to Iowa pretty pretty bad. So, I think Oklahoma right now, I think they could obviously still win the Big 12. Like, they're obviously still the favorites to win the Big 12. But you're telling me they're going to – like, right now, the way they're playing, they're not going to beat a team like Alabama or Georgia right now. Even Oregon maybe. But, I don't know. It's still early. Uh, they still have to go through conference play. So, I'll shout out DJ uh, DJ Graham's interception, probably the nastiest interception, maybe behind uh, what was it Brent Grimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, against um, Megatron. Uh, was he on the Dolphins? Yep. No, yeah, no, that one was pretty crazy too. But I think this one kind of close up there with it. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, that was unbelievable. And Trey Young had one of the coolest videos right on the sideline for it. Uh, you mentioned, yeah, the Big 12 kind of down in a sense. You could say the Big 10 at the top with Ohio State. I mean, they've looked like they got off to kind of a sluggish start this year. But behind Ohio State, I mean, you have a pretty deep conference building. Penn State and Iowa ranked five and six. So it's good to get finally these other programs high up in these rankings. I don't know how sustainable it is. I know Penn State, like I said, just got that huge victory this past Saturday night against Auburn at uh, in Penn State. And uh, Iowa, too, got that victory against Iowa State. I believe that's two weeks ago. So, again, these guys are beating ranked opponents, top-tier opponents that uh, are giving them finally credibility up there in the college football rankings. And maybe they can make a college football run uh, by winning the Big Ten. Who knows? Because I think the Big Ten is wide open. Uh, kind of moving on to our first Heisman watch, I guess you'll say, after what we got. Like, that's like 3.5 weeks, I guess I'll say. Because you know what I mean? I won't consider, like, week, I'll give week zero a half a week because some of the teams played. But all these guys, for the most part, have played three games through this. Uh, I guess we'll react first quarter to our Heisman picks. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I kind of took some – I kind of threw – I didn't really make, like, a final pick. I think I threw, like, Isaiah Spiller and Keaton Slovis. I know I threw out there. Keaton Slovis gets hurt this past week for USC. Their backup quarterback who's like, a five-star recruit takes over. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how long Slovis is going to be out, but I can tell you something right now. Keaton Slovis is not winning the Heisman. They fire their coach. USC just – did not turn out the way I wanted to. And Oregon is so much better than I thought that they're just going to run the Pac-12. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll make my new prediction on the Heisman. Uh, I'm going to go to the guy, I guess, who probably honestly is the favorite right now. And I don't know why I didn't pick him earlier. I guess I was a little nervous that Elijah Moore was leaving. But Matt Corral is one of my favorite college quarterbacks to watch. Uh, I think he does a lot of things very well. He's, he can move, too. He scored seven touchdowns this past week, uh, both throwing and rushing. I think he's going to get on a lot of drifts, uh, a lot of scouts' radars. Uh, come the 2022 NFL draft. I think he's going to be up there. Maybe a guy, again, preseason who wasn't getting as much love as some of these other quarterback prospects. But again, a phenomenal thrower of the football, playing in a lane, Kiffin offense, a guy, again, who's coached at the NFL level before. Uh, yeah, he's been absolutely awesome for Old Miss. And a main reason why I think they're up to like 13, I think they moved up to in their rankings. So that's pretty impressive in a sense. So good for Matt Corral, good for Old Miss. Somebody, who, again, uh, what, probably one of my favorite college football players right now. I was loving him last year, and this year I'm right back on the train. Yeah, I mean, that Ole Miss offense has, um, they've exploded through, uh, through three weeks. Matt Corral, obviously a big part of that. I mean, I think right now he, he might be up for the, for the Heisman favorite, but yeah, I, I, I picked DJ Yuga lately and let's just say a bust is an understatement through, through three weeks, but I mean, Matt Corral obviously up there. I just think right now it's. Through, through through the first three weeks, I think the Heisman, kind of like a two-headed race right now. Definitely between Bryce Young and um, Matt Corral right now. I mean, you took Matt Corral, so I guess I'll take Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young easily could win. Obviously, he had um, three more touchdowns on, on Saturday. But the fact that this dude, Matt Corral, really threw three and rushed for four, like that is just... That's pretty crazy. The fact that yep. he accounted for 42 points, I mean, it's just crazy. So props to him. But, yeah, I'll take I'll take Bryce Young to uh, as my, like, prediction going forward right now. All right. I like that. I know Bryce Young, too. I, I didn't mention him because I knew you were going to mention him, of course. See, see how good the chemistry is right there. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Obviously, he had that great game against Miami and then this one. Uh, against Florida too as well sprinkled in with the game against Mercer uh I guess I'll shout out two guys from the state of Michigan playing in Michigan I should say uh Kenneth Walker running back at Michigan State 
A uh, guy who was definitely, yeah, I think he had like four touchdowns, I want to say, in their opening game. Uh, I can't think who they played. I think, I think they played, who did they? Northwestern. I knew they played a Big Ten team. I was going to say Rutgers. But no, they played Northwestern. He had four touchdowns in that game. And I was watching that game against Miami because that was the afternoon game this past week. He runs awesome. I mean, that Miami defense, again, it's supposed to be their calling card. It didn't matter for Kenneth Walker. He runs great. But my guy, I'm going to be a little bit of a homer here. Blake Corum uh, for the University of Michigan has ran the ball. Uh, just as well for them. I know him and Haskins have been a great one-two punch in that backfield. All three games over 100 yards. This past weekend, 123, 125 yards on the ground, excuse me, three touchdowns. Uh, he's averaging 8.5 yards a carry. Jim Harbaugh finally seems like he might be building something at Michigan. That's what, year seven or eight there. Um, and like I said, the Big Ten is kind of a little open. O- OSU has the door a hair open. Penn State, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, obviously, over there, of course, in the conversation in the Big Ten. But uh, Michigan, Michigan State, both ranked teams this year. And uh, Michigan, if you ask me, Core, I might, it might be their year, finally, that they can take down Ohio State. But I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, Michigan, obviously, through three games, look really good. I like how you're uh, giving a little bit of love to the to the running backs, who um, usually don't win the award. But obviously, you guys putting up some really good numbers, obviously, Michigan. Up to 19 right now, I mean, you could argue that Ohio State has looked like like teams like Penn State, Iowa, Michigan, all have looked better than Ohio State. I'm obviously still not going to not gonna disrespect Ohio State because I still think Ohio State's probably the best team in the Big Ten. But, I mean, I don't know. If your uh, Wolverines could take down Ohio State this year, has Harbaugh ever won? He's, has he, he's never nope. won Ohio nope. State, right? Nope, nope, nope. I don't know. I mean, in Michigan this year, last game of the year. I mean, I don't know. I think if it, if it's if there's gonna be a year, it's got to be this one at home. Um, obviously, Michigan looking really good. Ohio State kind of on a down year. Looks a little. I don't know. Your boys. I think if your boys don't win it this year, like I don't know. We never will, right? Yeah. No, I think this is the prime year for them to to take down Ohio State. I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement. But uh, let's move on to our game pick score. We got a couple of them this week. I said the college football state isn't great. The earlier slate, though, is very good. We got a game at Chicago and Soldier Field, actually. Two ranked teams here. Number 12, Notre Dame, who uh, has been really close to getting upset. Uh, I know, obviously, against Florida State and Toledo. Kind of had a bounce back game against Purdue a little bit. Uh, going against Wisconsin, Wisconsin off a of bye week this past week. Wisconsin's 18th in the country, and they're ranked number six. Uh, and they are six point favorites here, excuse me. Um, Listen, I think Notre Dame might be a sucker pick here, but I'm going to go Notre Dame, uh, to honestly, to win the game. I think Notre Dame, like, I don't know, like their defense just has to get going in a sense. Uh, they brought in that D coordinator from Cincinnati, Marcus Freeman. Again, he has it like, you know what I mean? Maybe it was just a little bit of a learning period those first couple weeks, but I love their offense too much. I think they get real physical too up front. Wisconsin, that game against Penn State was gross. I think maybe it said a little bit more about how good Penn State was. But again, I think that Notre Dame is um, – a very talented team. They got Kyle William, uh, Kyle Hamilton on the defensive side of the ball, Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, that duo in the back that I keep preaching about. So, yeah, I kind of really like Notre Dame in this game. I think Jack Cohn gets a – oh, my goodness, it's the Jack Cohn revenge game. Of course I love Notre Dame now in this game. Yeah, honestly, I forgot about the Jack Cohn revenge game also. So, I mean, I, I kind of liked uh, Notre Dame in this one. Obviously, through three games, their offense has looked good. The defense has been uh, – had a bit of a question mark. But I don't know. I think I think here against uh, Minnesota. I mean, what am I saying? Minnesota. Uh, my fault. Wisconsin. Wisconsin obviously lost uh, their season opener to Penn State at home. So 
I'm actually going to go with Notre Dame also, plus six and a half, and I'll take Notre Dame to win the game. I just think uh, Jack Cohn at quarterback, I think he um, he wills his team to a victory. He showed, he's shown some great leadership so far uh, at Notre Dame, so I, I, I uh, expect to see that continue, and I'll take Notre Dame to win. All right, next year, we're, we're only going to make one more game pick, Corey. You know what I mean? This episode's kind of expanding on a little bit. So we'll, we'll go to the night game, I guess, and we'll skip over Texas A&M and Arkansas, which should be a good SEC battle between number seven and number 16. We'll go to West Virginia, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, 16-and-a-half-point favorites here. I kind of wanted to pick this game because I think West Virginia coming off a big win at home against Virginia Tech. And Oklahoma, I mentioned, like, you know what I mean? They, we've kind of been talking, like, oh, Oklahoma doesn't look great. I feel like this is just a perfect spot then for Oklahoma on prime time to go lay it on and kind of remind people why they are, like, the fourth best team in the nation. So I like Oklahoma here to win big. Uh, and, yeah, ultimately, yeah, like I said, I, I, as much as I was slandering Spencer Rattler earlier, I think uh, they kind of get back on the right track this week. No, yeah, I definitely think this is a prime example for um... – Oklahoma to come back and smoke West Virginia, but I don't know. I I think I think Oklahoma. I think at home. I think the crowd definitely will be. They'll be on fire, but I think sixteen and a half. These college spreads are pretty crazy to think about. Uh, I don't know. I think West Virginia will cover sixteen and a half, but I still think Oklahoma wins this game by uh, at least a touchdown. All right, fair point, fair point, Corey. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out uh, on Instagram at the default underscore. And uh, keep an eye out for uh, a couple, a, a new little segment that we're going to have coming at the end of this week. But, Corey, anything you want to leave off with? No, nah, not really. Just another week for football. Hope everyone um, listening, hope your fantasy team could pull through and get a win maybe. And, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy another week of football. Yeah, hopefully you're not uh, 0-2. Hopefully you're 2-0. And uh, best of luck to all your teams in the future. That's going to be it for today. Take care. Have a good one.